Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Lindsay Neural, a writer, mother, avid gardener, and author of the book Homeschool Hacks. She's talking all about how she got into writing, starting blogging in the earlier days of blogs, really getting her foot in at the the ground floor there, and then how that segued into writing for major brands like American Express and MasterCard, and she continues writing to this day. She also put a book together in a super quick amount of time to capitalize on all of the folks that are diving into homeschooling now after uh, the pandemic forced our hand with that. So we're talking all about that. And Lindsay, of course, as an avid gardener, is giving us her best gardening tips as someone who just started gardening less than a month or so ago. I very much appreciate any tips so that my plants aren't looking sadder than a, uh, a Sam Smith song. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast. You can also get in touch on goodpeoplecoolthings.com. That's also where you'll find the merch shop. There's a few new items, both from the merch shop as well as the Etsy-only exclusives where there's some some good uh, merch for some shows that you have probably watched once or twice, perhaps binged several times, who knows, but some fun, fun stuff inspired by that. So go check it out. Links in the show notes, all that good stuff. Once you got your cozy shirt or hoodie ready, and you're all nestled up, hop into this conversation with Lindsay. For people who don't know who you are, can you give us your elevator pitch, but can you also tell us the elevator that we're riding on while you're giving us your pitch? Sure. So I'll tell you what elevator I'm not riding in, and then you can have all the other elevators. Okay. <laughs> so in those swanky hotels where the walls are kind of like padded, but like little buttons, I don't know if you've seen those, they look like a plushy couch. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm gross like i think of all the people that have been leaning up against those and touching them and 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 they just i feel like elevators should be able to be wiped with a squeegee i that That (laughs) tells you a lot about my germ issues so yeah (laughs) penny elevator but that is what i'm writing in and uh i am uh first and foremost i guess a mom i have six kids and i'm a writer and I create content is my day job for different brands, uh, a lot of SEO stuff and blogs and white papers and, and all that fun stuff. But I really just, I love dark, creepy stories. Um, and then I like the trailers of those dark, creepy stories when they turn to movies, but then I'm too scared to watch the movies. <laughs> and that's pretty much me. <laughs> that's, uh, I don't even know where to dive in first. There's, I feel like the, all of that needs to be unpacked. Uh, but I guess we can we can start on the writing side of things. We'll start less creepy and progressively as we we go along. We'll get very scary towards the okay. the later part of this podcast. But for your writing, you've been at it for I uh, creeping on your website since two thousand six. I uh, how did you how did you get into it? Do you remember the first thing that you wrote? Yeah, so I had a blog that was coupons and deals, right? And it was just me and my mom that read it. And I would find like an online diaper coupon and I'd put it up there because, you know, I'm home and with my kids. Um, my husband had a 
job that took him all over. And I just, I needed an outlet. And also I like to shop and that blog went nowhere. Um, but I tried to several other blogs, a few of them, you know, this is way back. Um, and I don't know if anyone was reading them, but apparently they were, uh, because I got asked to write for a couple other blogs with real viewership, um, wisebread.com being one of them, like a personal finance where I could like kind of write about all the frugally coupony things I was doing and get paid. Um, and then I started like reading magazines about, uh, you know, living rural life and homesteading and gardening and all these things that were starting to become very in vogue around, you know, the, the, I guess, 2008 issues we had with the economy in the world. And I thought, man, I can write this. Like, do I need to, like, who do I need to know or what do I need to do? And I just started pitching, like looking online, finding out where editors lived, you know, stalking them, writing things. <laughs> um, but honestly, just sending emails. And at the time that the internet and the web and blogs were so new, people were like intrigued about the idea of having a blog. Um, and so it kind of got me into the door. I started doing stuff for print and then um, doing some branded work for the blogs that I was writing for. And then pretty soon I started working with the brands directly. So like American Express and MasterCard and some of these finance um, fintech startups, just kind of a whole weird world. You know, everybody was getting into blogs and blogging and writing digital content. And we had kind of started the, the movement with our own little our own little blogs. I remember there was a search engine called Ice Rocket. Do you remember that? I do not. No. Okay. <laughs> it was like a search engine just for blogs. Okay. I and like I remember like thinking if I can find it on a blog, then it's really like underground, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I searched for things through this web search and find recipes no one knew about or um, clothing trends no one knew about or you know, just like the start of apps. And for a while, it kind of just felt very exclusive and cool. And uh, it's how I got in without really any formal training. You know, I didn't finish college. I didn't actually get my degree because I started parenting so young. Um, but I just, I wrote every day and I pitched and I pitched. And if I saw something, I thought, hey, I want to do that. And I'd try it. Maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, but kind of felt like there were no ceilings. Um, when blogs and all that were really young and getting started. I know the vintage days of blogs. Uh, before before we talk more about the art of pitching, because I think that is a, a a fun topic to explore. What's the best deal that you've seen, or or I should say, taken advantage of? Um, long time ago, Target actually this got me crazy national press. Um, this this little trick got me into Time Magazine, where they actually came out to my house. I, I'm not kidding with a photographer from New York City and like spent all day taking photos of me and my family. Um, it was a target hack where like, and I can't even remember it now. It was like, if the number of on the price tag ended in seven or three, I can't remember what it was, that meant it wasn't going to be marked down any further. So if you bought it that day, you weren't gonna like miss out on it going you know lower another day. And I blogged about that. It got syndicated and like all these crazy big newspapers. And I ended up buying so many bottles of shampoo that year from that thing <laughs> <laughs> that the next year I had a garage sale. Wow. Just shampoo and conditioners. 
Is that a well-attended garage sale? <laughs> it was crazy. One family came and they just were like, this is great. And they bought just this huge family, bought all of the shampoo and conditioner that I had paid like 25 cents a bottle for. And it was so weird, but yeah, it just kind of showed that you can, you really can do anything if you can sell hundred bottles of shampoo <laughs> to some random family <laughs> in your front yard. So <laughs> That's a lesson for all of us. It's it is. Get, get lots of shampoo, try selling it, and you'll accomplish whatever, whatever <laughs> you want. Uh, that's how did you learn about that hack? Um, a lot of just being bored, and again, having young children, and just like not wanting them to cry, and thinking we're gonna go for a ride in a car, we're gonna go for a ride in a cart, you know at the time I wasn't working full time and I just needed something to do. And so I would just walk up and down the aisles of target, you know, and say, wow, the price has changed since the last time we were in here. I wonder if this can get cheaper. And after a while you just kind of like developed, uh, I guess an eye for the trends. And then there were also some like online message boards at the time that were sharing their Intel and saying things like, hey, guys, go check this out. We saw this marked down. This is like the last time they're going to mark down this $300 car seat to like 50 bucks. And a lot of people were like kind of getting started with like the Amazon, like the Amazon seller. Um, that's how a lot of those people got started, too, in the groups that I was kind of running in online. So there's just a lot of us with time and access to shopping. And it was a weird little subculture. I kind of miss it. <laughs> I know. I was just reading something about uh, an old message board, and I was like, I remember when I was on those all the time, and it was great. And now, I mean, I guess Reddit is kind of a message board, but it's also kind of a, a cesspool and a, a dark hole of misinformation a lot of the times, which I guess message boards could be too, but it felt more pure at least. There were no up-down votes, if I could recall. Yeah. Like, I think it was just, if you had something to say, you had to come up with a reply. And the last thing people read was the last thing people yeah. wrote. You literally had to get in the last word. It was it was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, going, I'm sure we could go down forum rabbit holes, but we'll, we'll uh, digress. But going back to your pitching ideas, I think that's something that, many writers struggle with like the idea of just like cold emailing someone uh so a how do you overcome that fear or is that just something that's like built into you and b what makes for a pitch that an editor is gonna want to assign to you so first yeah at the beginning i thought i stood no chance so it's kind of like when you think that you have no chance you can't be nervous about it because you don't think these things are ever actually going to happen. And then when I started getting some acceptances, I thought, okay, this is real now. And that kind of freaked me out a little. Um, but getting over, just understanding that if, if you're coming with some fresh ideas and a perspective that's unique, because really there are no new ideas under the sun, right? It's just, why are you uniquely qualified to tell this story? Maybe you have access to somebody you can interview, or maybe you went through something, or you can add just like a really unique perspective to it. Um, that's really all you can give. Even your writing, while it should be decent, doesn't have to be the most amazing thing in the world because there are editors. It's that voice or that style or that perspective that you're really selling. Um, 
And once you can like get that idea out into the, to the email or the pitch or whatever, you got to think of it as you're doing them a favor, right? If they can accept your pitch and you can work together, you've just added something of value that they wouldn't have come across probably on their own because there's only one you and you can only tell the story your way. And it's kind of fluffy and emotional and whatever, but it is true. I mean, you know, art is just that way, right? We can all paint the same picture of, of, of a vase or a fruit bowl. And it's going to be a little bit different and, and writing's a lot like that. So if they connect with your pitch and your unique, um, I guess, whatever you bring to, to the story um, and they like it, you just save them trying to find somebody that they're looking for. I mean, you're, you're actually doing a lot of the work by pitching. And I think we forget that as writers sometimes, like we're inconveniencing them, but we're pitching. We're like bringing ideas to the table. And that has a lot of value too, even if they don't hire you right away. Yeah. I, I love having ideas brought to me. So I, I definitely uh, empathize with, with that. And I think too, like, it's, it's easy to think like a rejection on one thing is a rejection for all time. And it's like, no, it's that one, one idea. Not all of my ideas are great, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about them (laughs) and you can shoot them down if you want, but I'll be back with more. That is right. That's how you do it. And, and unless they explicitly tell you, uh, you're, we're not a good fit, that's permission to keep pitching. Uh, and I've, most things I've pitched, I never got on the first pitch or the second or the third, you know, it was, oh, nice try, but we're kind of looking for, you know, sometimes with that feedback gives you direction. You don't know what they're looking for sometimes until they tell you what they're not looking for, which is very valuable data. Yeah. And sometimes they might, I mean, I've probably responded to emails more like tersely than I I would otherwise if I'm in a rush or having a bad day or something like, I mean, I went to the doctor earlier today. If I came back with really negative news and tried to respond to emails, I'd probably be like, I don't want to hear any of this. No, like just nose across the board. Uh, Thankfully, well, actually, I don't know. I haven't read the doctor's notes yet. Maybe that can be later in the episode. We unveil potential health scares on air No. No. No pressure. That sounds fun. We should invite someone else to join in on that. (laughs) (laughs) Just call up a doctor real quick. Hey, you're not my doctor, and this is probably a wild uh, health violation. But let's let's read some medical (laughs) uh, notes on here. No, hopefully, hopefully, all good. Uh, It was all, you know, regular checkup. Not going in for like anything in particular. So I'm confident everything will be good. And I I was trying to find a nice segue into that, but I don't think I don't think there is, but I want to talk about your book, uh, which is a I assume almost like entirely was brought about because of COVID. Can you kind of talk about that wild whirlwind? Yeah, so it it was conceived in its idea 8 years ago. Um and I brought it to like actually there was like this big contest, like bring it to an agency and we're going to look at all these. Like I had to fly to the conference and it was this big thing. And I made it into the top five for proposals. And, you know, I had chapters written and it was all formed. And then they were just like, yeah, you know what? We don't think there are very many homeschoolers and they certainly don't want to buy books when you could just use the internet. Um, I hear that a lot from... (laughs) When books get shot down, it's like, yeah, no, people want to use the internet. But yet there are so many people you just want to say, have you tried Google? Because I feel like even that is very much, a, you know, a hindrance to some people. So 
they said no. And I did the thing where you cry and you're like, okay, my heart is broken. I put it in the, in the drawer and I did other things. I went on to like have more kids and grow my business and, you know, move and do all this stuff. And then, uh, you know, I was like looking for a book to write. I just had a, a fiction book fall through the publisher went out of business, like right as it was supposed to be brought to the marketplace, couldn't find anyone else to buy it. And I thought maybe I should go back to like nonfiction because that's the world I live in. And then the pandemic was like bringing all my friends to me, asking the same questions over and over and over. It was like, I just wanted to copy paste my answers and like all the message boards. And I thought, but I've already done these answers and it's in this book that I wrote. And I think now's the time. So brought it to an agent like that weekend was like, yes, we'll sign you on. He got it sold pretty quickly um, to Tiller, which is a subsidiary of Simon and Schuster. So, you know, like the press I would have gone for. (laughs) Yeah. And it just was like, but we got to get this in the world fast because parents needed this yesterday. Um, And traditional publishing is not like self-publishing where you just, I mean, everything has to go in its own time. And even with that, like very, okay, we got to go to this editor and this editor and, and, it, it went so fast. It went so fast and it went to the world uh, in April and just in time for parents to like, say, we don't want to even think about school. It's summer. Um, and so we're kind of hoping to like, let people know it's there so that when they are ready to think about school again in the fall, um, they're not scrambling, I guess is the goal. So. Yes. Uh, also let me Google that for you. Have you ever used that? with people i have uh, it's so passive aggressive it's, it really is but it's so good <laughs> very on brand isn't it <laughs> i also think in my excitement i might not have even said the title of this book but homeschool hacks yes so get get out there and like I, I mean i would think that's valuable just for like dealing with other people at home even if you're not necessarily teaching like not being on each other's nerves all the time. Right. So one thing, you know, we covered a lot of ground with like how much video game time is too much video game time. And how do I protect my kids from seeing crazy things on the internet? And so like anything that could come up in a school day is definitely, you know, something we tried to talk about, but also remote schoolers that are still in the public school system, but are at home and you as a parent are trying to figure out how do we work that into our schedule you know, all of that, the interviews I did with parents who have been in and out of public school, private school, kind of done a little of everything, you know, you pick up things here and there, little tips. So we tried to get as many of those as we could into the book. Nice. And there's also some on your blog as well, which uh, also has lots of great, I was, I was creeping through it before and I was like, oh, this is so like, there's so many helpful things. There's reviews of stuff. I, I am maybe going to hit you up after this. I might have something for you to review later, but it'll be uh, great, great stuff. Um, but has that, has that always, like, is that one of the blogs you've, you've had for a while where you're like, this is obviously stuff that people need, so I want to share it? Or how, how has that evolved over time? Yeah. So the name, you know, back when we were picking out names, we weren't thinking about SEO. So it has a really weird name. Um, it's L-I-L-L-E-P-U-N-K-I-N, Lilla Punkin. It was like, I don't know, French and Danish 
mixed together. I didn't want to mispronounce. Um, I was like, that's how I would say it. But I, I, okay, I can see good. the yeah. struggle in your face. Yeah, like, like, do I say it or? <laughs> I'll let you introduce it. That's you're you're the guest. <laughs> but yeah, over the years, we've just it's been you know gardening and recipes and and it, it, you know I'm going back now and trying to like take some of that early content where you're just kind of like the small picture with the phone that you took back and you know it's dark and we're trying to like retake some of these photos and and kind of update them and bring them to life so people don't feel like they're like I don't know it's kind of got a creepy vibe when you look at all those really old photos (laughs) from blog posts like eight Um, pixels yeah yeah freshen (laughs) those up but yeah it's we've done a lot of reviews just hundreds and hundreds of from toys to books to a lot of homeschool curriculum apps, you know, anything that a family might use. We've done a lot of those. And, you know, I am not a Holly homemaker. Um, my Pinterest pins are an abomination, um, <laughs> but the stuff that brings the most traffic blows my mind because it's like, yes, let's talk about this. What is it? What is it? <laughs> I have this, <laughs> I can't, how to fry chicken gizzards tender is like the SEO. <laughs> I did a, a post on chicken gizzards, like how to cook them. And it gets so much traffic and not from the United States as much as other countries. Um, yeah, that's one that's just the gift that keeps on giving this time of year. I don't know what it is about, <laughs> you know, June and gizzards, but um, Google says this is like the time to shine. So nice. that is that is one that gets a lot of traffic. Um, we did one in like how to do paper mache with the kids. That one tends to get a lot of traffic. Um, and then I always get a lot of traffic for products that don't exist anymore that people are trying to find. And then I have to update those with, sorry, I know you're here looking for this thing and I wish it it existed too. And, you know, rest in peace because all the good products just eventually go away. Yeah, that is very sad. Like a Dunkaroos page or something. Although those <laughs> came back. So maybe, maybe people can hold out hope that they've got it. But yes, I think as the owner of several different websites, I am always floored what i what is the most traffic as you know i have my a crisp bounce pass newsletter that i also publish online the just basically checking the emails and putting them on websites so if people aren't subscribed that's a fun little way and for that one the post that's about basketball duo names is is the number one thing i'm like oh okay wouldn't have guessed that out of you know, if you give me like 40 chances to guess which of my posts is the most traffic, would not have guessed that one. And then for my food website, uh, bok choy and smoothies is apparently, I did a bok choy and pear smoothie recipe. It's very good. I was kind of surprised. I was like, I have a lot of bok choy. Actually, my garden right now is bok choy intense Ooh. right now. So I'm, you know, waiting for the like the roots to kind of get a little more, you know, meaty. But uh, sometimes I'll just snip the leaves when they're young. And that is some, my kids are kind of like, oh, bok choy again, because I throw it into everything. <laughs> but if we could turn it into a drink, yes. we, could, we could do some things. Yes, I'll, we'll, we'll be in touch. I'll drop the link. Okay. I'll drop the link in the show notes as well for anyone else that has <laughs> ample bok choy or pears and, and want to get rid of it because both, both of them are in the smoothie. That also segues nicely because I have started gardening this year for the first time ever and all i have b 
because the the yard is going to be undergoing some renovation. So I didn't want to get too involved. So all I have are tomato plants and basil plants. And they're like, this is like within the last month started. So still very new and fresh. Did make one round of basil pesto. It was phenomenal. It's so much better than getting it out of a can. Would highly recommend. But you're much more advanced in gardening and you've done it several years more than I have. So for someone that's just getting started, what's your top gardening tip? And do you have a, a plant that you like recommend that maybe is a little under the radar or is bok choy it? <laughs> no. Um, so gosh, a gardening tip. It's funny. I just grow things you're going to like, first of all, because it always amazes me that people will grow these things because they're pretty or they look like they're easy to grow or the plants were cheap. And then they're like, I don't even like vegetables or <laughs> I don't even like. And I guess if you want like a really difficult hobby um, that requires a lot of time and money and, you know, stress, you could garden just to garden. But, um, you know, there are some yummy things that you can find that are, you know, sweeter versions of cucumbers or, you know, sweeter versions of tomatoes. Like they're just these varieties of things that don't even taste like what you get in the grocery store. So, you know, if you can try some like farmer's market produce or something from like a grower directly, uh, you can get a taste for what the actual food is and you won't be surprised. People like crack me up when they try their homegrown food and they're like, this is not what I expected <laughs> and they don't like it. Um, so try it before you go out and invest in it, I guess is my really weird uh, beginner tip. I like it. <laughs> but one thing that I found, like we have this favorite squash, it's called patty pan. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't think I also have. scallop it's um, so it looks like a little UFO kind of, and it's a little white kind of cream colored squash. Um, and if you pick it really young, you can slice it up like a zucchini or a, a yellow summer squash. And if you let it get kind of hard, then it's di more difficult to deal with, but they just, they grow and they grow and they produce and they produce. And they're just kind of like this, I guess, under the radar thing that I didn't know about till we accidentally planted some one year. And, um, yeah, little squashes, little things you can like slice up and put in a stir fry and maybe people haven't had before. Um, I'm always encouraging people just to try. If you, if you really don't know if you like something, try it um, in person and then, you know, try growing some different things. Lovely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to branching out a little bit. But that's a great tip with the farmer's markets. Farmer's markets are so wonderful to go to anyway. And then to try. Although I think the last one I was at, the only thing I actually tried was a cookie. And I said, this is probably not, not the best choice while I'm here, but it's a good cookie. So well done. Well done. I don't remember the name of it. I'm sorry. I'll find out. We'll, we'll drop it in the show notes. It's, it's a promise I like to make in episodes. And then usually <laughs> I do, but sometimes, sometimes not so much. Now kicking it back to writing, because that's how you and I met is through ASJA and uh, we were on a panel together where I was kind of thrown in at the last minute. You were moderating it. I think I blacked out for some of it, but I, I think everything was okay. It was about uh, kind of side hustles besides writing um, that, that some of us had. And a lot of folks up there were podcasters. I had done some voiceover work and clearly still putting my voice to good use. 
here with with multiple podcasts and the occasional voiceover or Spotify ad work, which is always always entertaining to do a little read for like a credit card or something. It's it's fun times. But for people that are getting, I, I would say like any level of involvement as a writer, like whether you're you're just you know starting your your writing journey or you've been writing for years and years. Like I find it so valuable and uh, it's just been a, a fun little like fun way for us to meet. And I've met other people through it and give us your like, hey, you should join ASJA pitch. <laughs> well, you know, the ASJA is, is a good is a good one for especially if you're, you know, doing nonfiction, any kind of like journalism work They're They've opened up their ranks to branded journalism. Um but, you know, if you're a fiction writer, because I think there's a lot of people that feel like they have a fiction story in them, you can usually find um, organizations that are like in your niche. So mystery writers, horror writers. Um, it's it's funny because there's a lot of times you might think the book you want to write is a true story. And then you realize, oh, I don't want to deal with the legal of like trying to tell someone's story. So I'm going to make it a little fictional, you know, maybe they're in space or they have superpowers or whatever you want to do. So like, there's that blend of, I think you can really learn though, from any writer group, um, ideas for how to take that project that you have in you, that you're not really sure what is this fiction is this self-published. Do I want to try to get an agent? Sometimes you just don't even know when you wake up in the morning, who you want to be that day. <laughs> and writing does not help that because now it just gives you more, outlets and expressive opportunities. And, and it can feel like, I don't even know where to go. So writer groups are super important for kind of grounding you. If you listen to the people that are actually making it work. Um, I think you can say, okay, this is someone who's making it. This is someone who's satisfied with their path. Um, here's some things that, that, you know, they've said don't work and you can take it and leave it. But ultimately you'll start to see some themes, um, with, with the old timers that are, have been doing it for a while. And you'll get a feeling of, you know, is their advice trustworthy or not, which is what's great about those organizations. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think that's a, a key distinction too, is make sure that the person is, I uh, trustworthy for lack of a better word before you just dive in and give them all your money or give someone else your money that they're, they're recommending. Um, but yeah, I think that's, it, it is helpful to have those, those other folks to bounce ideas off of you just you saying like, Hey, do you want to make this a true story or not? Just, uh, it made me think of, I, I would love to do a memoir of when I hosted karaoke in Los Angeles, because I have many ridiculous stories from that. And I, I feel like there's ways to kind of like fictionalize it up enough that it's not going to be libelous or anything. And um, there are a couple of like celebrity encounters that I maybe have to either skip on or figure some way out and, and not bad ones. Like they're, they're enjoyable ones. So it's not like I'm putting this person in a terrible light, but even so they might not want to be featured in my book. So it's a, yeah, it's nice to, to not know you're not alone in, in those worlds, but we're going to go to horror now. So I hope you're ready. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is this is prompted by a, a a coworker of mine actually recently was with like visuals for it. So she was saying, I can do murders and she was like stabbing. She's like, or I can do demons, but she or uh, but she can do monsters, I'm sorry, but she can't do demons like things that you can't see. That's like too scary for her. So are you 
around like what's the most scary part of horror movies or is it just anything remotely horror you're like I'll watch the trailer but that's it so it's funny because it's changed as I've gotten older you know I would laugh like any good Methodist kid at a slasher movie (laughs) you know we would at our like church youth group things they were like showing some of these like hey let's have a lock-in and watch you know Nightmare on Elm Street we were laughing I don't know if it's that the 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 graphics have gotten that much better where it's like confusing to watch things now. Mm-hmm. Like you knew they were just not real yeah. before or if just by having children and becoming more aware of my own mortality and all that philosophical stuff. If like I empathize too much with characters, I don't know. Cause I can watch some like just crazy out there, um, you know, Shaun of the dead type stuff. And, and if an actor's good or it's funny or the writing's clever, you know, it, it, you know it's just for fun but i don't know that stuff that there's just some stuff that's gotten the, the work the visual work is just amazing what some of these people can do and i think that might be more of it for me i can't look at blood in real life i get really squeamish and so i think there's been a transition from what was kind of fun we know this isn't real to oh my goodness this is kind of like slightly triggering because it looks so real um I think for me, that's what it is. I, I don't get too spooked out by, you know, anything off screen or supernatural. That's it's just, I think really that gore for me is kind of where I, I can't do it. Yeah. I think, I think I'm probably more in that realm as well, but yeah, if it is like Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz are the ones I was thinking of where I'm like, this is like more over the top and there, I mean, I guess hot fuzz isn't really supposed to be scary. <laughs> it's more just, it's just that same cast and and director but i uh, yeah those are the ones where i'm just like mm, it's a little a little too realistic i don't know if i i like it so much but i always i always think with horror movies of do you remember the cartoon doug from back in yes. the 90s i think that was a nickelodeon uh, yeah. one yeah. wasn't it yeah, yeah nickelodeon i think it maybe moved to abc for a couple years at the end but largely nickelodeon but i just remember there's an episode where he's very afraid there's a scary movie that's coming out he's very afraid to watch it and like the whole class, I guess, goes to see it and is also scared. Like they're all covering their eyes and then Doug peeks through and you can see that the monster has a tag on the costume. <laughs> so he's just like, oh, this isn't scary at all. It's like, I don't think most movies are like that nowadays where <laughs> you see that it's obviously fake and store-bought, but I like they that need that to have overcome. <laughs> like two versions, you know how like for movie trailers, there's like the red band trailer and then there's the regular trailer. So they could do two versions of movies. One where we see the tag sticking out for those of us that can't handle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that would have like a lot of conflict with the true artist's intent, but I feel like I miss out on a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they could. I mean, there's so many YouTube videos now where it's like, uh, you know, it's it's some song, but every time they say one word, it's like a goat screaming or something like the the Taylor Swift. I uh, I knew you were trouble meme, like uh, bringing that more into YouTube. I watched one the other day that was uh, the Killers, Mr. Brightside, but anytime they used a pronoun, they sped it up, so it was just like super fast by the end. And I'm just I'm baffled at what people do with free time. So I feel like that could be something where it's like. Or maybe like they replace the monster with a puppy somehow and it's just like very calming for us. Even if the puppy's doing violent things, we don't see it. Or it's very like metaphor or very, I don't know, yeah. meta. What do the kids say? You know? I don't know. 
have to ask I'll my ask, kids. Yeah, you, you, you have kids. You go ask them. I'll ask. I ask them a lot. I ask them a lot. This is, I have to know what's going on. And, and if they're not showing me something on TikTok, I have to go to them and go, is this something I should be worrying about? Is this a thing? And they're, they're like, no, mom, this is what parents <laughs> think are a thing, but it's not. So what's something that is a thing that you like? <laughs> That's a really, <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, I think it's fun. My son is like very Gen Z. I find their memes to be so ridiculous and pointless <laughs> and also just undercover brilliant. I don't know there. I could go down the, the rabbit tr- like of like Gen Z memes and just how they're so sad and um (laughs) they have such a very like bad outlook on life and I don't I can tell a lot of it's sarcastic but also how did these kids come up with this like I don't know it kind of reminds me of my generation being Gen X and kind of having a chip on my shoulder you know but instead of like being angry about it they're like I'm gonna make memes and I think it's such a cool way to cope and it's just funny I just there are some memes that are so sad they're funny and I don't know that's that's what I like right now yeah and some of them are just so specific where I'm like this is sadly brilliant but yes (laughs) I applaud it excellent work and segues kind of nicely we're talking about how you watch trailers you told me before we were recording that you have watched a lot of trailers for shows I I assume on Netflix, but perhaps other ones where they like autoplay the trailer for you. And you certainly do not have time to watch all of these shows. But based on the trailer alone, what are your top three shows that you quote unquote need to binge, but maybe just need to watch the trailer? Right. So um, we have HBO Max and that's where like a lot of I feel like some of the cool shows are coming um, right now, I think the whole world shut off when it was the mayor of East Town. Is that what it was? I think so. With yeah, yeah. So like HBO Max went down during the season finale, and people were on Twitter. Just it was a travesty. Um, that's in my to watch. Obviously, I have a lot of shows that I want to watch, but the kids all have to be asleep, which is another issue. There's always a kid wandering. Um, so. <laughs> There's another idea there for like two versions of a show where if my kid comes in the room, um, because, you know, there's shows that are just a little kind of deal with some things that aren't, it's not trash, but it's, there's some thematic elements that like kids don't need to necessarily worry about. So that's one. Um, Now you're going to make me think because I said I had three. (laughs) Um, I will say I don't need to see the trailer for the final season of Kim's Convenience. Okay. That is a great show. And I was very sad when I learned that was going off there. Um, and then the trailer, I think it's coming soon for Lupin on Netflix. Okay, yeah. The Gentleman Thief. I finally got around this past weekend to doing the first, getting the first season underway. So now I cannot, you know, cannot wait for the second. Lovely. And it'll probably take me three years just to watch those three shows. So I'll let you know. Have me back on in three years. We can talk about how it went. Yes, we'll get a TV recap. Uh, We'll probably all be watching through, I don't know, Google Glass, if that's still a thing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I feel like there should be... I remember watching a 
Toyota commercial, maybe I for a a car that had like two versions or I don't I don't know what the thing was, but you'd watch it on it was like a YouTube video, but embedded in a certain way on their site that if you pushed I think if you pushed R the R key on your keyboard, it would flip from like day to night. So it was showing like, hey, there's versions of this car based on like the type of person you are. So like the day one, you're, you know, the guy's like picking up his son from school. And then the night one, he's like stopping a heist or something like that, or maybe participating in a heist. I don't know. It's been a while. Um, But (laughs) it was like, it was interesting because they're basically going the same route and stuff. But it's like one of those videos where they do like the quick cuts. So he's like, punching a bad guy but then it cuts to day and he's like handing lunch to his son and it's just like I, I feel like if they could do that on a short little two minute video surely extrapolating it to several seasons of a tv show is a piece of cake well they used to do I don't know if you've noticed it used to do like with the movies you had your r and then you had your unrated right yeah. so depending on like what was going on you could maybe watch with your older teenagers or your kids coming home from college you might watch the r-rated version if it's appropriate but you're not generally going to sit down christmas and watch the unrated with the kids (laughs) i mean just not in my house anyway just be really um awkward but a lot of the shows that were maybe tv 14 when they were on network they're adding in the scenes that like maybe were cut for time or content and and i'll watch shows that i (laughs) swore we're okay and it's not my memory it's that you know you're looking and now they're tvma and we didn't even have tvma for the longest time especially not for network television um so it's you, you gotta really watch because it maybe a whole season will be great and then they'll just have that one episode mm-hmm. where it's like now what do we do do we uh not watch it with our kids do we fast forward like i i feel like this was just put in there to give me decisions to have to make and- i think that's yeah i think that's exactly it <laughs> <laughs> wonderful well hopefully no more uh surprise bombs like that but we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed for you thank you <laughs> it's a hard job you know <laughs> But for now, if people want to learn more about you, maybe hire you to write some good stuff for them or check out a copy of their book, of your book, not their book, it's your book, where can they find you? Um, I am at lindsayneural.com, my name, which is great. <laughs> no one else had that name. So the domain <laughs> was available. And on Twitter at L Neural, K-N-E-R-L. So I love Twitter. If you're on there, I'll talk to you. I love it. Excellent. Yes, you are a very good Twitter user would recommend solid follow (laughs) 12 out of 10 thank you (laughs) awesome well Lindsay, thank you so much this was glorious i can't believe it's been an hour already i feel like this sped by like an two episodes of kim's convenience that's a half hour show right yeah (laughs) it's been it's been a while since i've seen an episode but i i I did enjoy it i'll get back to it it'll be on my list as well and we'll we'll touch base in 2024 to see how we enjoyed it Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Excellent. Of course, we got to wrap up with a corny joke like we always do. And let's make it writing themed. What's the leading cause of death among new writers? What is it, Joey? Exposure. Good after today, people. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. As, <laughs> that's great. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. 
As always, you can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you.